Hey guys, my name is Stefan. This is our fourth episode on the podcast. This is Table for Four. anyone take it now hi this is stephanie this is andre this is adrian and this is, this is table, table for four. four all right today's episode is about culture and tradition and we have three special guests today we have jen ro aka theo ro that's right my brother and his, and his wife are back and then we also have a third guest her name is uh teresa cuevas teresa is the artistic director for the Indo-Rican Multicultural Dance Project. Now, this organization believes in education, and it's truly the key for worldly accord, and it welcomes opportunities to bring lectures and dance education to all communities. So I want to take this time in introducing Teresa. Teresa's been a longtime friend of ours, um, and I, I'm so happy that she was able to participate with us. Uh, Teresa, are you there? I'm here, Stephanie. How are you? We are awesome. We are so glad that you are able to participate with us on this podcast today. I think that uh, our friendship alone uh, gives, uh, gives everybody an opportunity to learn a little bit more about right. us in terms of our culture and everything. But um, Teresa, thank you so much for participating with us today. No, absolutely. My pleasure. I'm so excited to be here with you guys and to talk about traditions and cultures and everything under the sun i guess what we're gonna do um why don't we just have the question and we're just gonna have an open question to everybody so let's take a step back and say what is culture right so who wants to answer that question or try to attempt to answer that question adrian's hand is up so i think that culture is something that multiple people or many groups of people Speaking different languages, have different kind of types of food, and basically different lifestyles from everybody else. Okay. Okay. You kind of summed it up. It's uh, the culture is the characteristics and knowledge of a particular group of people, encompassing language, religion, cuisine, social habits, music, and arts. What about you, Stefan? Wouldn't culture be a state of <laughs> some sort? Roots. Um, okay, I'm confused here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the reason why we, we're asking the question. When you think of culture, like the way your dad explained it, it's characteristics. So when you think about characteristics, what do you mean? Like, what are the special parts of culture? What makes culture so special? What makes it right. different? How does it, you know, apply to you? So this episode, we're going to be focusing on culture. So the culture that we're going to be focusing on is moms, which my family, our family is from Puerto Rico. And then from dad's side, dad is from El Salvador. So this is the opportunity for us to kind of understand what culture is. And teach you guys about it. And teach you guys about it. Our okay. culture and tradition. Okay. Um, Jen, Ro, what do you think about culture? What do, how do you think it applies to you guys? So culture for me is the history of our family and the traditions that we have as far as when we were kids till now, the food, just like you meant, like Adrian mentioned, certain, uh, it, it makes you feel like you fit in into a certain group of people. Okay, what about you, Jen? 
pretty much exactly what he said, just having kind of an identity of who you are and who your family is and where they come from and having a shared um, language and tradition um, that ties in, like we said, to food and music and, and, um, and language. Uh, what about you, Teresa? What is culture to you? Uh, well, in my opinion, culture is basically uh, traditions of a certain people, a certain f- philosophies that a group holds uh, true, um, art, music, their personal identity as a group. See, Teresa has to break it down and make us feel like we didn't have a good enough answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you take all of our answers, it's what she said. <laughs> Very simple. So I think we're gonna take this time and um take a look at um what we have here is what we have what is called the cultural wheel. So it's a very um it's a simple uh picture just stating of what it is that makes the wheel of culture. So I see here it says a greater community, knowledge, passing on stories, language, rituals, traditions skills techniques tools objects the arts food and drink drink comes first drink sure. comes first <laughs> so i think when we have such a a beautiful uh picture of this it kind of boils down all the different beautiful aspects of what culture can be or is developing um for us at this point as you know where are the i'm trying to figure out what what, what is the, the generation we're always called teresa i forget are we generation okay, gen we, x we, millennials we're not millennials no, we're millennials yeah we're millennials we are, we are? Yeah. Yeah. no we're millennials it's like 80 oh no you guys are older yeah we're older yeah. right no i'm 82 i'm 81 82 is like the the whole uh, uh gen z so okay so we're so we're gen x and then on the other side of the table we have millennials and then the kids are they still considered millennials or no, no? so from what i'm seeing in google millennials are not from 1981 to about 94 to 96 okay mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and then and then, uh, gen and then gen x is the uh, i guess 90. before 90 let me look that then up you got the and then you got the boomers the baby boomers <laughs> <laughs> the, the baby boomers are like your moms are our, you know our parents right. generations our, our and parents. things like that gen x is boomer Nineteen sixty-five to nineteen eighty. Oh, okay. 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 Adrian is Gen Z and Stefan is Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha. Nice. I never heard of that. Twenty ten or after. Two different generations. Look at that. Look at that. Mira. Mira. Bueno. Special than you guys. No. (laughs) Don't say that. Not at all. These have the last letter of uh, alphabet. So we're going to take this opportunity and we're going to give Teresa the floor as she's going to paint a, a beautiful picture on how uh, Puerto Rican culture has been both influenced in terms of African slaves and how music has been inspired and influenced in all aspects of culture. So um, if you guys have any questions for Teresa, definitely um, just wait until after she's done. And then we're just going to open the table and for any questions or any comments. Okay. Is everybody okay with that? All right, perfect. Teresa, you can, you have the floor. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Um, well, first, I have like a million and one questions for the kids. So um, I'd like to know, it's been a while since I've been in elementary school and junior high school and high school. Not that far, uh, Teresa. So don't, would, don't go that far back. Not that far. <laughs> 
right? Well, I'd like to know um, if you guys know who was Christopher Columbus and how did you guys learn about him? Christopher Columbus was an was a was a adventurer who would not you know do adventurous things. Okay. 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 And when he was young, like a like a literal child, he went. He just we went on a boat and sailed the whole and sailed the sea. Okay, Adrian. Adrian? What about you? I was gonna talk about his culture. Um, he's an Italian explorer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he explored with uh, obviously a boat. All right, so guys, okay. how did you hear about him? Did you hear about him by your teachers in school? Did mom and dad talk about? It? Did you read it in the book? Did you see it on the internet? Did you Google him? How did you find out all these uh, pieces of information about him? Safari. What about school? The school didn't teach you guys about Christopher Columbus. You, Adrian? Google. Oh, wow. 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 Okay. wow. Wow, Teresa. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so you see wow. the struggle we're having right now. Okay. I I see. Okay. Boomer. So, um, what do you think life was like in Puerto Rico about twelve thousand years ago? Well, they had to obviously hunt for food to survive. Uh huh. Do you think they had air conditioning back in the day like that, 12,000 years ago? No. Do you think they had Nintendo 12,000 years ago? No. 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 Okay, well, kind of makes sense. This is a very open-ended question. Okay. Um, what do you think of their favorite foods were in Puerto Rico like back in the day? Puerto Rican food? <laughs> <laughs> I can't okay what kind of puerto rican food? what kind of puerto Think rican about food? maybe what you like and please don't say lasagna please don't say lasagna because lasagna is italian food okay spaghetti spaghetti see i knew you were gonna say it <laughs> so you mentioned that christopher columbus was italian you like lasagna spaghetti but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about puerto rican food what do you think they ate meat Meat. Okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. Maybe they have to like put it on like hot rocks and then heat up, heat up the food. Yeah. Maybe okay. cook it. Okay. They would need to make a campfire for that. Okay. Yeah. I think okay. We're, we're getting we somewhere. Yeah. What else? Okay. What else? Just think Zelda. With everything you did in Zelda, when you threw the meat in, into <laughs> See? the fire. See, your uncle comes Steak, through. I, I, I learned to have to hunt down foxes, boars, pigs, um, garment, birds. Uh huh. Garment. Okay. You had to scavenge for. Berries, fruits, uh-huh. from trees. There you go. Well, maybe okay. they have to look around for scavenger for food, like more than just fruit, meat. But I'm not sure yeah. anything else other yeah. than that. But okay, you're I, right. I think you're on the right track, Adrian. Though. You're on the right track. Good job. Now, my final question to you guys are: Do you think Puerto Ricans come in all different colors? I think they all come in different colors. You, okay. Stephen? You, Stefan? Yes, they do. <laughs> Okay, I think what Therese is asking in in in, in color is in s- skin color. This is this is why we're having a session. This is why we're trying to educate right. you guys. We're trying, we're trying to, school to school you guys. You. Let's take a step back. Do you think that people of Puerto Rican culture come in different colors? Colors of skin are they dark? Are they light? Are they? Uh, do they have dark hair? Do they have light hair? Do they have di- uh, different textures of yes. hair? Yes. Okay. Okay. And then what other, what, how have you seen other people of different skin colors and different textures of their hair and, and different colored eyes? 
and things like that. That's that's what the question is. To, have you seen it? Do you think that they come in those different colors? They all have to be different. They all have to be different. Unless they're exact right. twins. Okay. okay. But you could have two dark twins, two light twins. Mm-hmm. Well, right, right. You can have, right, one, right. You can have skin. one light skin, one dark skin. Well, they could be any color. All right. So we're going to explore all of these uh, questions. And we're going to try and figure out who's right, who's wrong. Okay. Okay. So, but the first thing I have to do is give you a little backdrop. I have to paint you a picture. Okay, of Puerto Rico. So, who were the first inhabitants of Puerto Rico? Okay, they were the Tainos, and they lived throughout the Caribbean in such places as Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Yucatan, Mexico, Belize, Venezuela, Cuba, Jamaica, Haiti, the Bahamas, and the Virgin Islands. Okay, so they migrated. That means that they traveled, usually by boat, about 12,700 years ago from the mainlands, such as South America and Central America, because they're kind of like neighbors. Okay. Right. So in 6,000 BCE, the indigenous people, okay, get to the island and set up their homes and they become known as the Tainos. Now the word Taino means noble people. Okay. So they were pretty peaceful people. And every so often, the Caribs, which were another set of indigenous people, would come to the island and sometimes be problematic, but they would be able to defend themselves. Okay. So, way, 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 way before Christopher Columbus came around exploring, they already settled in. The Tainos were set, they had their houses and everything. Okay. They had their own towns. They had their own leaders and they were named caciques. They had their own governorship. They had their own tools and land to farm. Okay. And a lot of them were fishermen because they were surrounded by water. Okay. So it's not only that they were eating from the trees and, you know, from the land. They were also fishing a lot. Okay. So, and they also had their own belief system. Okay, which um, is like a religious system. They had their own religion and they had things called arietos, which are ceremonies. And we also had oral traditions. Okay, what we didn't have was a written language. Okay, but they had petroglyphs, which were uh, drawings on the side of caves and things like that. We had pottery and language and folklore. Okay, which means we had our own stories. Um, we also had our own way to deal with conflicts within society. So when two caciques, now when I say caciques, I want you to think of them as mayors of different towns. So let's say the cacique of New York City would be de Blasio. Mm. Okay. So mm. <laughs> let's put it into perspective here. Mm. Okay. So when two caciques had an issue with each other, they would grab their best ball players and they would head to the bate, which was like a baseball field. Okay. And they would totally battle it out on the baseball field and they would play each other. And whoever won the game, they got their way and there wasn't any other dispute. So the issue was squash, si acabo, done. Okay. Whoever won got their way. So um, there was a legend in the Taino culture where they thought that gods were going to rise from the water and give them salvation to the Tainos 
So when Columbus came around, what do you think they thought of Columbus? He came by water. Right. Okay. And Tainos are, are, were pretty dark skinned, brown skinned. And they saw this guy and they, you know, they saw he was very light and he was coming for the water. They said, oh my God, he's a God. He's a God. He's here to save us. Okay. So you can see how this could slightly be problematic. So in 1492, Columbus invaded Puerto Rico. Okay. And he kept a very detailed journal. He kept a very detailed diary. Okay. And Columbus called the indigenous there Indios because he was looking for India and homeboy got lost. Okay. Okay. So this is this is the part where it always gets interesting. So right. Teresa made a, a a fantastic point. Homeboy got lost. Okay. Now, when we're here at 1492, right? What did Teresa mention about how they got there? This is a pop quiz. Pop quiz. How did they get there? Boat. Boat, right? Everybody in the, we're, all, we're all on the same page, right? Okay. Now, what did they think Christopher Columbus was? God. A god. Okay, you somebody's paying attention. Okay. All right. Teresa, throw another pop quiz question for them because I want to make sure they listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's see. Pop quiz. Um, you said that he was in the boat. They had their own religion. They thought he was a god. Now, if you think gods are coming to your shore. Are you going to be mean to them or are you going to welcome them with open arms? Welcome them with open arms. You're going to welcome them with open arms. I know this is a struggle. And I know this is this is culture that you guys don't know about. And it is a it is a struggle. But this is important for you to understand. This is this is this is the reason why we're doing this. This is your your history history lesson. This is your history lesson. And it's one for me, too. You know, because this is something that's always been interesting. Homeboy got lost. That's where that's where we're at right now, okay? That's where Teresa's right. He thought he was going to India, so he called the Taínos Indians. Indians. So, um, when he was exploring, okay, he was actually looking for spices, okay, and that's the reason why he wanted to go to India. He was looking for spices. He wasn't looking for gold, okay. Um, There was a friar with him. do you guys know what a fryer is? A pan? Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. What did you say? A pan? A pan. Yeah, because I know he was a trying to... A frying pan. A frying pan. Not necessarily. Fryer is um, a, a priest. It's someone oh. who oh. works in religion. Why did you say, you oh? Because I can't even No, when she said fryer, the, 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 then I, I realized what she was saying. What, what he thought was the guy at McDonald's that throws the fry <laughs> <laughs> different kind of fry. Different kind of fry. <laughs> Think of him as a priest. Religious figure. So there was a friar who kept a journal, okay, who wrote about the Tainos as well. And his name was Ramon Pane. Okay, now you have to remember that Columbus was an explorer and he was a very lucky explorer. Key word is lucky. He was a lucky explorer and that was it. He was not a settler. He wasn't a manager. He wasn't a developer. He wasn't a politician. Basically, he would go around from place to place and say, hey, look what I found. 
And he would set up camps and leave his people on the land. And he would write in his journal and he'd take some materials for the trip back home. So he would brag to King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella from Spain and tell them what he discovered. And he then told them that we were a rich port. Okay. Puerto Rico was awesome. We had food, we had gold. And what do you think the king and queen of Spain were more interested in? Do they want to know about our fruits and vegetables or do they want the gold? Stefan, you can say it. They wanted gold. They wanted gold. You're absolutely right. Okay. So they wanted the gold. So while he was coming back home, when Columbus was coming back home, his people weren't too nice to the indigenous people. And what wound up happening is that Columbus's crew were killing children in the streets just for fun. Okay. And they would literally hunt them down and torture them before they would gut or burn them alive. Okay. They were doing this to the Tainos and they were raping the women and children as well. Mm -hmm. So the Tainos had to defend themselves because they never really experienced this much inhumanity. Okay. And when Columbus came back to the island, even before he touched the land, he saw some of his crew hanging from the cliffs. Okay. So our history is not, you know, La Isla de Encanto. It's not, it it may be a little bit of that now, but that's not the way it was back in the day. Okay. So the king and queen sent Columbus back to the Caribbean for gold. They were like, we want that gold for the crown, all of that stuff. And that's what started colonization and plantations and gold mining. Okay, so um, in 1514, the Tainos led a rebellion against their overlords. Okay, and about 85 to 90 percent of the Tainos were killed. And that wasn't enough to help produce the work in the field. And the Tainos became enslaved. Do you guys know what enslaved means? It means being captured by someone and you work for them nonstop. Mm. I like that. I like that definition. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, Adrian. To sum it up in a very short way, basically just prison. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Punishment. They, They were taken without their... They didn't go voluntarily into enslavement. Okay? So... Uh, Some people say that the the Tainos weren't fit for the hard labor of working in the fields the way the overlords wanted. Okay, they weren't suited for the mines either. Okay, it also didn't help that the Tainos were dying at a rapid pace because of the diseases that the Spaniards brought over. Okay, there were such diseases as smallpox and measles, and they got really, really sick and it was highly infectious. And a lot of people passed. A lot of people died because of that. Okay. So now there was a friar, another man of the cloth, another priest, if you want to call him a priest. His name was Bartolome de las Casas, who came on the first trip with Columbus and Ponce de Leon. Because Ponce de Leon, he was on one of the ships as well, because he came in threes. Nina Pinta Santa Maria. Okay. Bartolome was absolutely enraged at how the Spaniards were treating the Tainos, okay? And he was the one who suggested to import the Africans to the Caribbean for work, okay? And once again, this was not voluntary work, okay? So 
since the Spanish needed a new workforce, by about 1518, they started bringing in the African slaves, which forced migration through the Atlantic slave trade. And these Africans, they came from the Gulf of Guinea. They came from West Africa, the Gold Coast, Nigeria, Daome, and which is the slave coast. Okay, And some people say that some of the Africans that came on these ships were free men. Okay, but personally, I do not believe this idea. And that's just my personal opinion. Okay, because if I were a freed African, why would I want to occupy a boat with other people who may not treat me well for months and have my own people in shackles below deck? Does that make any sense? No, thank you. No, (laughs) I'll pass. I'll pass. (laughs) I'll pass. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm sure a lot of shady stuff was happening on those boats. Anyway, um, for those who survived, the Tainos and the Africans, as well as those Spaniards, began intermingling, intermarrying, and reproducing. And our mixed race descendants, the Africans, the Spaniard, and the Taino, we were basically the first to be the Puerto Ricans we know and are familiar with today. So that's why we come in so many beautiful um, and beautiful shades. We come in many different shades. Okay. So I think we just answered one question. You know, this is why we're all mixed. We're mixed of African and Spaniard and Diano. There is other things in us, but we'll cover that in a little bit. I think when, when it comes down to all the beautiful colors and shades of, of culture in itself, uh, this story kind of highlights the struggle before. So I think it's just so important that we were able to understand the struggle and the struggle that's still going on now because we do come in so many different colors. And um, I think we want to just take a moment and just uh, think about all the other different aspects of culture that we can talk about. Uh, Does anybody else want to bring anything to the table? Any guys have any questions for Teresa? As Teresa, she put she put this story in such a great perspective and simplified for children because sometimes the story can be a, a little gory. Yeah, right. yeah, right. Right. This is what, right. And this is what they don't teach you in school. They don't want yeah. they don't, hashtag right. not right. the truth. Right. They teach you Christopher Columbus had three boats. Was an explorer that he came and and founded Central America, the America, and he came in three boats. That's all they teach you. And uh, we had Thanksgiving and all the stuff. We had pilgrims. That's it. But they don't show you the real truth, which is truth. how can you discover something that was already discovered? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, Teresa, I think I, I think I want to step into what is a different aspect from the terms of Afro-Latinos, Latinos themselves, the Tahino, Borican, like in things of, of, of those different words. As you mentioned before, you said that Borican was uh stand for noble lord i just want to make sure i said that right Iona. Uh, oh the know. see i knew i was gonna get it wrong yeah. see that's why <laughs> that's why i have you here to correct me that's why yeah and taino um stands for noble people Ta- taino stands for noble people boborican mm-hmm. is stem from taino or how is that how do they correlate well we never called the tainos never called puerto rico puerto rico the Tainos always called it Borinquen. Borinquen. Okay. Now. Okay. Yes. Okay. And okay. when you translate, um, when you translate Puerto Rico, it turns into, in English, rich port. 
And that's how Columbus saw it. Oh, rich port, spices, food, gold. So, yeah, that's how we got that name Puerto Rico. Borinquen is native to the indigenous there. And then in terms of, of African slaves and how is mm -hmm. it that the Africans were able to influence um, the culture itself, obviously them coming in boats, them being used for slavery, being intermingling with everybody that's on the land and then coming from other ports and other areas of the world. That is how we were able to come in those beautiful colors and shades as we have. Absolutely. Uh, when I think about, you know, Christmas and I think about New Year's, I, I think of the, the pork shoulder, the penil, the penil with the, the, lechon. With the, the lechon and, 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 and arroz con gandule, yuca, platanos, tastones, all these different um, beautiful foods that it's making me hungry now. But Don't forget coquito. <laughs> oh, yeah. the coquito. Don't forget the drinks of the coquito. What are some of your favorite traditional foods, Teresa? I definitely love the arroz con gandules, mm. uh, the asopao de gandules, mm. mofongo. That's what I love. Those are my things, man. Ooh. Asteles, they're my favorite. Antojitos. <laughs> oh my god! It, it was it Appetizers. was it was so funny. Like when I was um, at the hospital, I think it was with the youngest or my oldest. I literally told this man, "You must go to Brooklyn." And go go to the the, the cuchifrito spot, and you have to go get me an acapurria. You have to go get me a yes. morcilla. You have to get me um. I, it was like Oh It was like it was like those are the stupid things. It's Pasteles, like it's everything. such a comfort food, and it's like for me, it was like making him make the trip, and I was like totally worth it. But you gotta remember mm -hmm. when we went to to your grandfather, your great grandfather's uh, ninetieth birthday. He was a pioneer in, in the in the coffee beans business. Yes, yes, in Puerto yes. Rico. And so he was he was renowned around the island for being one of the first guys to cultivate coffee beans in Puerto Rico. And it was such a big accomplishment for our yeah. family that that's how we were able to, you know, maintain um, such a good connection with our family. They've had uh, propriedad and they had all these different connections through different business, through imports and coffee was their 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 lifeline and you know when we use that as a great example of how you can persevere through um making those advances and doing all those different things and cultivating and things like that i think it's just so important absolutely so i think um i think a great segue would be um introducing uh jen jen had her ancestry dna uh, test done and i think that she has so many different percentages mm -hmm. from the same countries you even mentioned before so jen if you want to take the opportunity and just like you know break down what did you discover and all the cool stuff um in the different cities not cities but the countries that you were able to uh find on ancestry uh dna um ever since i was a child my dad would mention that our family um, had roots in Spain. So that was always um, a thing for him to, you know, visit Spain and always right. mention, like, you know, we are Puerto Rican descendants from, you know, our families were created from the Spaniards and the Tainos in Puerto Rico. And it's funny, when I, the first time I did the DNA, um, it didn't break it down as much as it does now. So, right. like, it, would, it said, like, 34, 35% um, Iberian Peninsula, Iberian which includes yeah. Spain, Portugal, Italy, all that stuff. So at the time, it had nailed it down exactly what I thought it would be, which was 34% Spain, 
Um, and then it broke it down to 14% Cameroon, Congo, which are, you know, in Africa. And then it just broke it down to even smaller percentages of things that I wouldn't even think of as far as like Scotland, Senegal, Norway, um, and even smaller percentages in Africa of uh, Nigeria and Benin and Togo. Then they updated their, I guess, their breakdown. Their, map, their, their DNA results. They're right. Ma- yeah. They're mapping and things like they're that, like their the database. So they broke oh, down. Okay. They broke down Iberian Peninsula even further. So it was actually the larger percentage was in Portugal. For you, really? Yeah, instead of Spain. So now Spain is a little bit smaller, it's only at 23%, but it was just interesting to see that, you know, all this time, according to my parents and my grandparents, it was always Spain, Spain, Spain. Right. But now it looks like the roots are more heavily influenced by Portuguese. Portugal. Yeah. Portugal. So, Look at that. So you're Puerto Rock. <laughs> <laughs> you're Puerto Rock. <laughs> Yes. I think that's a great way of putting it. Teresa, what would you what would you name her with all the mix? What would I name her? Yeah, what would you name her? <laughs> Puerto Rock. Puerto did. I, I'd like to put in Madrid in there. Puerto did. Puerto did. It does have a percentage for indigenous Puerto Rico, which is 12%. Okay. But the, the larger percentages are Portugal, Spain, and Cameroon, and Congo. When, when we speak about indigenous, that is what... Um, Taino. Taino, right? Mm-hmm. So, Teresa, if you, can bring, uh, if you could break down a little bit more about the, 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 the word Taino and the, the actual background for that, I would love to learn a little bit more of that breakdown, a breakdown for Taino in, in general. Okay. If you can. Well, basically, the Tainos are the inhabitants or the indigenous from Puerto Rico, and they migrated from um, many, many different places. You can find Tainos in Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, the Yucatan, Mexico, Belize, Venezuela, Cuba, Jamaica, Haiti, the Bahamas, and the Virgin Islands. Okay, so the word Taino does mean noble people. Okay, right. and they migrated to those islands about 12,700 years ago from mainland, such as uh, South America and Central America. So you, you'll see that we're sprinkled all throughout right. the Caribbean and South America. There was a, a, a great uh, article that I read. When we think about culture, it is seen as they coexist with tradition and modern, uh, modernity. So I think what it is, is that they're trying to find the connection between what is tradition and what is of the modern times today. So I don't know if you're able to bridge that gap for us to see what is the traditions that still exist today mm-hmm. that existed back then. So if you want to take a yes. step back and, you know, just say um, and talk about in that and bridging that gap for us, because I think that's a, just a great, um, a great little quote that I read in an article was from a quote book from Bomba to Hip Hop from Juan uh, Flores. Mm-hmm. And again, he yes. mentions all the different uh, history and the backstory of how African um, Americans have influenced all the different culture for Puerto Rican, and it's not even just Puerto Rican, but just in terms of all different aspects of Latin culture and as a, as a whole. Which is, I think, is a it's just a the great term that I can use is a, a melting pot. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. people like to use that term and just mixing all the beautiful parts and all the different aspects of culture itself. And Puerto Rico, not just Puerto Rico, but all the different kinds of uh, Latino culture mixed together to just create an even more beautiful culture in itself. 
Um, I think I, I would love to take a part in how music and how um, the arts and how all of those came into influence in Tahino um, and African-American and all of those parts all mixed together. I would love for you to just take a moment, just like kind of bridge that gap and see how everything all just intermingled and connected on that aspect, if you can. Yeah, of course. Well, I think um, Latinos today, they have to realize that we're not all funny all-stars. We're not all, you know, Mark Anthony. We're not all J-Lo. We're not, we're not that. We're more than that because they came from someplace else as well. So the Tainos, we had, um, we had a beautiful uh, variety of, of art and culture on the island. And as far as music, we had maracas, we had claves, and we had the mayoacan, which is the log drum that when you hit it, um, it, it has very different tones when you hit it. Now, when the Africans came to uh, Puerto Rico, they came with their own drums, their own movements, and uh, their own um, claves called the cua. Okay. So as far as music and art and entertainment and dance, we all came from somewhere. And in Puerto Rico, once again, it is that melting pot. So as far as the African infusion, uh, there's a dance called Bomba and it has its roots in West Africa. And it was many different things to many different people at many different times. Okay. It was a form of expression and it was an act of revolt. And it was a way of making fun of the colonizers without the colonizers knowing it. Okay. Mm. So we had that very percussive movement. It was, um, it was protests using your body. Okay. And um, we also had plena, which is like an oral newspaper. Okay. And the words to the song would hold a variety of information that can go from plantation to plantation. So that wow. also came. You, you know, it's so yeah. funny. Like when you think about that, that's also a form of communication. A, a, a like, form like, of communication. Almost in, like a courier service. In, in slavery as well. Right. You know, when US, we think about US, in yeah. the U.S. as well. Um, I don't know if you want to touch upon that, um, Rolando. And, you know how that connection because i could see the connection how it's so similar it's just like the basics i remember they used to make beats uh like they used to make uh take instruments and bang on like walls and make beats to communicate with other you know people and right in a different area of the mm -hmm, house mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I've, i learned that in school actually so uh it, it's crazy that it still ties to you know thousands of years ago and it's such a it's such a, a beautiful way of expression, as you mentioned before, with with Bomba. I've had a, an experience in that when I had to go to Puerto Rico when um I think we were starting out, maybe I would say when we were first dating that we went for my 90th, um, my great grandfather's 90th oh, yeah, birthday yeah, yeah. and they had us uh, dress in traditional clothing, yeah, clothing and, and, and we had yeah. our heads wrapped we mm -hmm. had these beautiful white shirts the wayeras mm -hmm. the long beautiful skirts and it was just so reminiscent of the bomba uh tradition and having the the tradition of celebrating his birthday he was 90 years old he had a long beautiful life he had property he had a finca and with that celebrating 
dance for his birthday was just another form of us celebrating it all together as a huge family. So it's like, for me, I, I can understand um, how important bomba is in Puerto Rican culture. Oh, if not only Puerto Rican culture, but as uh, just another form of communication throughout the families and the generations. So I think that's just a beautiful part on that as well. Um, I want to take this time just to take a, a step back and we're going to focus on El Salvador. So this is a part where my husband and Uncle Ro are going to talk about their culture. So Dio Ro is up in here. Dio Ro. Dio Ro. So I think we could just take a, a, um, uh, a definition of culture again. I know that when we define culture, culture encompasses what again, guys? What is culture? Culture is the characteristic and knowledge of a particular group of people encompassing language, religion, cuisine, social habits, music, and arts. So I think um, if we can take um, uh, a step with Rolando, Rolando also did uh, an ancestry DNA. So when we talk about El Salvador, we talk about Central America. And Central America at the time, it was the same thing as indigenous tribes that were migrating south from Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador. Then you have uh, Panama, Belize, all the way down to South America. So when we talk about El Salvador, El Salvador was pretty much known for having three tribes. The, the main tribe, it was the Naua, Pipil, Lenca, and the Cocoa Perea. Cocoa Perea. But the majority of El Salvador later on was mostly Pipil. Now, during that time, during the 1800s, that's when... Those Spaniards again. Yeah, the Spaniards pretty mm-hmm. much tried to settle and take over that whole peninsula. Did they get lost? They probably got lost and ended up in El these Salvador. These guys. These guys. <laughs> this time they made a, a wrong right. <laughs> <laughs> so now Spaniards came in. Now we have something called Mestizo. Uh, a man of mixed race, especially especially one having Spanish and indigenous descent. You know, so a lot of a lot of the Spaniards came in. They started intermingling with with the the locals, the indigenous tribes. And now instead of having indigenous kids, now you have a blonde hair, blue eye kids from European descent, indigenous blood. Our family was part of that. You know, we have uh, my grandfather. He was born in 1926. His grandmother was originally from Europe, uh, Spanish. She was of Spanish. Uh, she was from Spain, and but that's all we, we all like really heard growing up. Uh, for some reason, our grandparents never really talked about their right. history or their parents or their grandparents. It's just one thing that just never came up from them. Right. So I had to do a little bit of digging, and when I spoke to my mom, she said his grandmother is the daughter of a Spaniard. So. His great grandmother cheated on uh, on his on her husband with a, a Spaniard. Oh, so, right, so so she was the fourth child out of four children, and all the first three they were mestizo. They, they were, uh, you know, they weren't mestizo. You know, they were indigenous looking. Right. You know what we call ishkeke. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you define ishkeke? Like ishkeke means a native indigenous looking. It's an old word. Right. Old word it's that. Old word. Uh, our grandfather used to use all the time. Chico used to always say, um, he, he, he used to describe like his old friends or like an old relative. He would always say, yeah, yeah, that person was Ishkeke. Right. And growing up to us, like we right, right away, we knew that this person was native, you know. Right, and, native, and, and native, native looking. Native, yeah. 
So that was the terminology they used back then to refer to native, a native-looking individual. Mm-hmm. So, so like I said, like he, the, his great grandmother was the fourth child. So in order for her, his great grandmother to not have any issues, you know, with the husband, she gave the daughter to up, up to adoption. Pretty much, just gave it to the god, the godmother, and so the godmother raised him. So then now his grandmother, his grandmother had three kids, but now they're all uh, blonde hair, green eyes, blue eyes. And then that's how we get our Spaniard blood. And then now his brothers, his siblings, the same thing. They have blonde hair, blue eyes. And that's mm-hmm. why you guys have hazel and... Right, we have eyes. hazel. That's so eyes. crazy. Right. That's why you guys have light eyes. Right. So the majority of our family, you know, it, it, we're fair-skinned. We, we don't look native american like we don't have we, we don't have a lot of indigenous some of us features do. Some, some of us, us do, do yeah. but, not, but most of us like i would say like at least less than half percent we have, we're fair skin green eyes and brown eyes who do, who do they confuse you with like i have people approach you and they they when you say i'm a salvadorian what else do they think that you are like i've gotten uh you look guyanese <laughs> <laughs> you look Guyanese. Yeah, they, they tell they tell me I look white. They said, "Oh, you look yeah, you look but very, Guyanese ain't white. very European." We yeah, we we definitely look well. Like, as as far as as far as I look, like I always got like the Hawaiian. What are you Hawaiian? Right. Filipino. 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 Yeah, right, I think right, that's right, a popular right. one. But yeah. you, I think you always get. Oh, you look Italian. Right, and then my grandfather, he was fair skinned very light, almost European looking, mm-hmm. blonde hair, green eyes. You know, so but then his children, they all had black hair, brown eyes. And that's because our grandmother. But then our grandmother grew up in the town of Chalatenango. Chalatenango was pretty much populated by Spaniards. So whole whole the area. Spaniards again. Right, again. So that whole. Taking the land, taking the women. <laughs> taking the women, oh my everything. Goodness. So now from what mom said was that like the majority of the population there was Spaniards. So grandma was four children again. She was, there was four of them. Their siblings, blonde hair, green eyes. Our grandmother, she had black hair, brown eyes. She no. looked very native. Right, right. So uh, she looked very. Yeah. She wasn't. Oh, yeah. She wasn't Native American looking, but she had some features. But then when you look at her, she was a very beautiful woman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Our grandmother was very beautiful growing up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I guess because of the mixture of the European, and you know, almost mestizo looking child. So now, but she really never talked about her, her past, her past yeah. at all. Our grandfather was kind of open, and it was open to interpretation. So that's where we get it from. So, so like I said, our majority of our blood now is is European. So then, Uncle Ro now he went did the whole ancestry DNA, and we had a, a very uh, interesting find. Yeah, th- there was a lot of stuff that was confirmed from the stuff that we've always heard growing right from up. our grandparents. Um, yeah, but just like Jen said before, when we first took the exam. Um, it it would just classify you under a certain category, right? And then as time went and more people started taking the DNA test, then it started to expand uh, the regions. And uh, when I got my results, I just constantly kept looking at them over the years, and it shows that we are that I am thirty six percent native of you know Latin America, El Salvador, Western El Salvador. And 26% Spain, 8% Yucatan Peninsula, 6% Scottish, 4% French. 
three percent Italian, three percent Mexican. Oh, that's what you get the Italian from. Yeah, yeah. three three percent Jewish. Ju- you know? What? <laughs> Mazel tov. Mazel Two percent Congo, um, and then it it starts to like really uh, dilute itself into like two percent Middle East, two percent Nigeria, Senegal, Portugal. So it's like a big medley, but the main the main portion that we are is European, right? Yeah, like like European and uh, native, yeah, Yeah. which is crazy, you know. And it also confirmed everything that our parents and grandparents always told us. But um, you know, it, it was cool, like to actually see. All the regions, and then right. you know, through ancestry DNA, uh, a fourth cousin sent me a message and said, "Hey, I think we're related." You know, it shows that we're related, and she reached out to me, and I co- connected her with uh, my mother, and they hopped on the phone and started chatting. And it turns out that our great great grandmother from our dad's side, right? Yeah, from our father's side, her brother. Well. Her brother was her grand great great grandfather, and she sent me pictures of them. You know this old picture, and it's like the first time I've, I've ever seen um, generations of our family that far back. Right. And she sent us. She sent me pictures of like our grandfather that I've never seen. So it, you know, it, it's a cool story, and it's cool to see how like just doing a simple test can show you, you know, where your roots are from, and make a a crazy connection with someone you know, on the other side of the country. And, that you wouldn't even think of. Right. And actually, like, kind of, like, steer you in a in a path and show you, like, hey, this is where your family is from. And right. not knowing that growing up. And it, it, it's pretty cool to see that. Um, Teresa, would, um, would you be ever uh, considered doing a DNA uh, ancestry? Just to find... I would totally do it. I think, yeah, Andre and I were thinking about doing it. And I mean, mm-hmm. I know from I got my results right here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I know that like you guys are your brothers, obviously, and you guys will have the most similar yeah. uh, DNA results. Yeah. And um, I think it'd be so interesting on my side because my father, he was very, very dark and he was often confused with a, an African-American male. But right. as soon as he opened his mouth and all that came out was Spanish, people were like, oh, you what? Where are you from? You know, so it. I would. I would totally like just do that, and it'll be. I think it would be super fun to do that as well. Um, I don't know if you want to take a moment and just talk about um, uh, traditional foods. I mean, we already talked about pork shoulder and things like that. But what? Oh. What are the favorites from El Salvador? I mean, Number I think Adrian's one. like itching. Yeah. He's itching. I was just about to call Adrian's ready to talk yeah. about He's this. Itching. So, Adrian, what's our number one food in El Salvador? Either tamales or pupusas. There you go. <laughs> so, in El Salvador, we're known, it's not just El Salvador, but the whole Central American region is known for having pupusas. It's a corn tortilla there made from scratch yep. with cheese in the middle. With a cheese filling. There with you go. With a cheese filling. There we go. There we go. But now we make it, besides cheese, we make it with vegetables, we make it with pork, with make beans. it with beans. It could be a mixer of cheese and beans and the, 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 the meat, which is called the revuelta. You know, and the kids know it because they love pupusas. Which one's your favorite, Adrian? The cheese be smacking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and cheese. we're also known for tamales, which is Ooh. which is masa, which is a corn flour mix with seasoning. And then we add eggs, chicken peas. You can add any kind of meat you want. 
uh, olives, and then you or pretty beef, much yeah. wrap it in a banana leaf. You boil it, and there goes your tamale. Yeah. So it's and, like a pastel. Right, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And, right. So all these cuisines. Oh, that we, we about have, to fight you because we're always trying to figure out the definition of pastel. <laughs> Teresa, they don't know about pasteles. Oh, we do know about them. No, they don't <laughs> because we always we always have this discussion at the table. Now, when you think of the word pastel, what do you think, Teresa? Mmm, yummy goodness wrapped in a like <laughs> that's in a, a banana leaf that's right. boiled and it's made with love. <laughs> yep, aka, AKA tamale. <laughs> See, and that's where we always have we always have this discussion. Like, is it like a tamale? Is it a pastel? Like, what? Like, what is it? And then the one time they and threw, empanadas and is a, another word empanadas right, and, 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 and empanadas and Ooh. the same thing we're all, we think right. when you think of empanadas when we think of empanada for us is is a is a pastry is a is a is a plantain with cream filled with sugar roll that's an empanada for us mm. it's a pastry okay for you guys it's a deep fried food mm-hmm. right yeah it's a turnover it's a turnover, it's a turnover yeah. of of deliciousness right, right. so so our uh, empanada is like your papa rellena so Adrian has a Yes, Adrian. Yes. So the empanadas, we did them in torpedoes and I don't remember the other shape. Oh, in torpedoes. I, I know what you're talking about. Right. And for us, pasteles is a deep fried food. Yeah, which is a, a AKA empanada. empanada. Right. And, right, right. And, then, and then for you guys, it's almost, it's for us, it's for you guys, empanada and our pasteles look like your acapuria. Okay. Yes. Because it's orange seasoning, look like little, little torpedoes and. So it, it's very similar. Right, very right, similar. Right, right, right. Right. So every, every region, every country has yeah. its own shape, own shape or form of food that kind of like, okay, it's similar in other ways. And so, de- like, right. Wrapped so, in deliciousness. Right. So I, I feel like our food. <laughs> Don't say it. No, no I'm not going to say it's better. I'm going to say, say? <laughs> it's very carb and protein heavy. Right. And, and I think this is what indigenous tribes made mm-hmm. during that time. And it kind of like in El Salvador is pretty much the whole area was poverty. It's full of poverty. So they still make all these traditional foods because that's where they were taught in all these different times, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, and then a lot of the, the little, the states in El Salvador, they're named after like different tribes, indigenous right? tribes, yeah. right? You know? Oh, okay. So like when we're thinking about indigenous, we're thinking about going back into the, you're using your land, you're using the trees, you're using all the different fruits available, available on the island. Right. So you have, traditional food that has now become a little bit modernized modernized but then our main i guess uh export is would be coffee beans yeah in el salvador because yeah. salvador makes some slamming coffee we got we, it and they got the right weather for fincas and all stuff and also they're also the sugar cane sugar cane yeah the number, number one export in sugar number one export in uh they also make like the zippers for or everyone's clothing the company's called i think ZZY or ZZK. So that that company's in El Salvador. That's the number one exporter of zippers. Look at you talking about zippers. I knew that because we used to drive by all the time. And what we used what to they go. should do is put a zipper inside the tamale. So <laughs> <laughs> or they have to readjust the, the, readjust. the zippers because we eat in too many of them. Yeah. <laughs> like like an edible zipper. Like, right. <laughs> right. So now when we come to drinks, we have horchata, which is uh, pretty much all different kind of fruit seeds. Grounded up into powder. Is, isn't it almond? Isn't it ground no. up almond? No, it's, it's a ground up seeds from different fruits. And it's grounded up to a powder. Is almond one of them? Wait, now your brother's Googling. Yeah. Wait a I minute. Just, I just want to be it's sure. It's different types of horchata. You got Mexican horchata. Then you have 
but or or in Salvador chata is a whole bunch of different fruits. Okay. There's fruit seeds grounded, and then you you make it with milk. You add sugar. And make it sweet with water. With I, water, you can I, make it water, it but everybody, water. the majority of everyone, makes it with milk. And it, it goes back to the 13th century. Look at that. that. Yeah, that's crazy, right? Wow. And then we have cevada. Then we we're also known Ooh, for what's having the what? What's that? Cevada. It's almost like a strawberry mixed drink. It's pink. It's a pink drink. We have uh, yeah, because we said ochata, cevada. Then we're also known for having for cultivating our own cocoa beans. Mm. And we make, you know, I know, I know you guys in Puerto Rico make the the grandma, the grandma hot chocolate, the abuela, abuela, mm-hmm. abuela chocolate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Nestle's abuela. <laughs> we, we don't use that trash. Wow. <laughs> or, organic only. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it's bougie. This is crazy, guys. Yeah. So, so our, you know, in El Salvador, we also, like I said, coffee beans and cacao beans, and they make fresh chocolate. So when we make hot chocolate in El Salvador, we make it from scratch. You throw some milk in it, and it tastes so good. Yeah. So I pulled up the horchata, how it's made, and it's several ground ingredients, almonds, sesame seeds, rice, barley, tiger nuts. See, like, tiger nuts tiger is, nut. is what gives everybody, the, you know, this, this power. <laughs> <laughs> or melon seeds. Melon seeds. But I think it's, it's, it's so funny when we think about all the different, I mean, delicious foods that we can think right. about. And it just all stems back to traditions we're going right. all the way back to as you mentioned 1300s when ochata first came out and then we're talking about how the little towns were named after the tribes um you know have even if it's after a, a traditional uh, meal what would be a traditional meal for you guys for like for christmas like for would- us it was turkey turkey so yeah so over there they do have thanksgiving but it's not celebrated with us like the third week of November is for them is like the first of November first, Dia de la Gracia, and then, like I said, for us it was turkey. For for us, Christmas was eating turkey because in El Salvador, is is very is full of poverty. So when you had turkey for dinner or for like a, a tradition, it was like a form of status to show that you came from wealth. Really? Yeah, oh. a lot of people can't couldn't afford turkey back then. So you know, if you could afford turkey. Then you were you were well to do. You were like, uh, you know, like I say, it was a form of status. Mm, that's interesting. You know, so that was like, and then when when mom came to the U.S., you know, that we kind of she kind of kept that tradition, that tradition alive. And so every Christmas we have turkey. Every Thanksgiving we have turkey. And then now for New Year's, that's when she made the tamales. You know, so that's her thing. You know, like, love them. Right. They're delicious. And then growing up, you know, for us to get into our roots. You know, she sent us to El Salvador for the summer every year. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Right. So that's she, how we were able to learn. Because she was like, oh, you guys, you know, not learning anything here. And then for us to go to El Salvador and see the poverty firsthand. Because we, cause we didn't know what poverty was. And then you see, oh, this is how I was raised. You know, because mom was raised in the campo. She was raised. She had a lot of brothers. She, she always talked about walking to school. Yeah, walking to school. Yeah. Barefoot. Yeah, walking to school barefoot. Back and forth. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds cliche, like something that a parent would say that's, like, foreign. Right. But, yeah, they, they, they were, you know, it was 10 of them, so they didn't have much. So that's, uh, she, growing up, that's one thing that she always, like, try to make us appreciate is, is what we had and right. also, like, keep the culture. Like, because uh, once, once uh, our grandmother went back to El Salvador, um, 
like family kind of like split up. Everyone right. went their own way, and and so she had to learn how to cook, and 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 the best way to to, to do it is to cook things that we love that was part of our culture. Right. As far as the tamales, the right. So that's why like I get spoiled because I don't eat leftovers. Because uh, grandma always cooked that is a meal a whole every day. episode in itself, Teresa. It is a fight in this house talking about leftovers. Isn't the whole point of doing food prep is to have enough to, you know, eat for nah, tomorrow? Grandma made exactly enough for everybody. Because your grandmother spoiled you. Nope, because nothing was left behind. <laughs> and that's why you <laughs> had to no get new leftovers. zippers exactly. and everything. So just your pants. That's why. <laughs> but um, I want to take this uh, this opportunity just to. Um, Take a look at how, what other influences um, for you guys and how your, your ancestors in El Salvador help you be who you are today. How is it that their struggles or their successes help you guys to be the men that you are today? It gives a identity. Yeah. You know, and, and even to this day, there's certain things that even Jen loves from my culture. and. There's a lot of things that I love from her her culture. One of the things that our family never made was chuleta, lechon. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Pork, yeah. That's one thing that we almost never had in our house. And when I started dating Jen, her mother made that what almost every this? day. Chuleta with, with, with rice and beans. And, I love it. Yeah, so like we, we each <laughs> bring... smell from the kitchen? Yeah, yeah we each bring a different uh, aspect of our culture to right. our relationship and you know, with you two, it's the same thing. But now you have you guys could bring that to the kids, and, right? Which is hard because, like, as the generations go, it starts to like you starts start to change. Yeah, you start to lose some of that culture, right? And that that's where that's what one of the things we're doing wrong because these kids don't speak Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think as what we were trying to do, we're trying to break the cycle. That cycle of how Jen placed, uh, how she said it before, is diluting the the culture itself. And I don't think that's just something that we did on purpose. Right. I think it's just a matter that we live in the state that we in. Where, you know, we have so many other things that are, could be happening, but we've gotten so used to one sort of lifestyle that the language slowly got missed behind. And I think that's kind of my fault and your fault. Yeah. And, and, you know- a shared responsibility. I have my thoughts on it only because we grew up in a Spanish household. Mm-hmm. I did when, too. Know, when mom came to the U.S., you know, I she immigrated too. from mm-hmm. El Salvador. She came here the legal way. She flew and then overstayed her visa. Then, they, you know, then now she's a U.S. citizen, you know, all this stuff. So coming from a different country, coming here and not speaking the English, that was our main language speaking in the house, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and then growing up. We weren't allowed to speak English because mom did couldn't understand, you know. So we had no, to. She she did understand. She understand, but she, she had to like used to like answer us. Want to speak to right. us in English because she was more comfortable speaking in mm-hmm. Spanish. Okay. You know, like like us, we grew up here. We grew up in the U.S. We you know English was well Spanish was our first language, and then we learned English in school and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then when we got into like third or fourth grade, they they moved us from bilingual to like regular 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 ed. You know, and so I, I kind of grew up being comfortable speaking English. You know, so now, like I said, I, I, I only time I speak Spanish now is with mom. Yeah. You know, like, and, and your, your, your situation was a little bit different. Right. So my dad only spoke Spanish. 
and my mom only spoke not not only spoke english but she spoke both languages the majority of the time she spoke Mm -hmm. in english so when anytime we had any conversations it was always please respond in spanish and i'm looking i'm like no i don't want to and i think it's just me being stubborn in that sense is like it's not because i didn't want to or comfortable i wasn't comfortable Mm -hmm, it was it's just i wasn't comfortable and i think i me internally I didn't want to put that pressure on my kids and not have that pressure on them for them to learn another language. But then I do regret not pushing it more. Right. It's not too late. They have another two years before they, it, it gets harder for them to learn it. I think it's... They, they understand say, it. I think it's harder if it's not ingrained right, for you from the Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because that's what my mother used to tell me all the time. Well, you, it's not my fault you don't speak Spanish. You know, she would say, you know, you could go and learn yourself, but it's, it's harder when you're not... <laughs> Like, who said that? That's a, a Puerto Rican mother. Yeah, that's who like, said oh, It's not my fault. You, you're old enough. You can, you know, you're learning in school, blah, blah, blah. Or you can start talking with your friends. And then, like, it's not the same as doing it at home and being engrossed in it. Right, and, right, right. Having it talk and, to you 24-7. And your right. mom speaks fluent Spanish. That's and the craziest thing. This is a, a, a crazy story. When we went to Spain, she was talking in English. You're lying. (laughs) You're lying. Teresa, what are your thoughts on this? (laughs) Uh, Well, for me, I grew up, my mom spoke predominantly English. I mean, we did have Spanish, but I had the blessing of living right next door to both of my grandparents. And Mm. they spoke Uh, um, Spanish. Mm -hmm. They spoke English and Spanish to me. So, though my mom never pressed to speak uh, Spanish, I took it upon myself later on in life to uh, learn and read and do all of that stuff. I mean, kids are going to apply themselves to whatever they feel is interesting to them. Right. So once again, this may not come, the Spanish may not come in two years, but maybe when they're, when they're older, you know, right. teenagers or when they're older. You know, and they right. look at it as an asset when they have to get a job to be bilingual, you know, then they'll take more interest in it. You know, you can just, you can just, as parents, plant the seed, you right. know, just plant the, spe- the seed of speaking Spanish to your kids or watching a show in Spanish for kids or maybe having, right. not the novelas, know, like not the app, novelas, like a Duolingo or something where <laughs> they can do it, you know, 10 minutes of their time during the day and just, you know, learn sight words and um, practice how to speak it. Right. So, I mean, I can, my Spanish is not the best, but I can get myself out of trouble when I need to. <laughs> so, yeah, like, like with your sister stuff, uh, yeah, she didn't know a lick of Spanish, and your mom sent her to Puerto Rico for the whole summer. We had we went to go pick her up at the end of the summer. She didn't even know what English was. <laughs> she came out talking better Spanish. Yeah, she came back talking better Spanish than all of us. Than the rest of us, <laughs> like a local. It's so funny, but again, wow. like when it comes when it comes to culture itself and and keeping traditions and things like that, I felt like I kind of dropped the ball on that. And I miss that I don't have my my older generations. Like I miss I don't have my great grandfather. I miss that I don't have my grandma and my grandpa who only, you know, they spoke Spanish. And I predominantly only spoke to them in Spanish. So if we if I don't practice it, you lose it, right? I right. I, I don't know if that's true. Yeah. 
you know but right. for me like i i totally dropped the ball on that and i miss having conversations with them i miss talking to them about old stories uh, whether if it's folklore or how they have um their life was when they were young and things like that i miss that i i miss it terribly but i know that for you guys you were able to have that close relationship with your grandfather and right. i know jen was really close with her grandma and things like that so i think it's just so important that we continue with that that tradition but still remember this is a part of who you are who like like rolando said is the it's identity, identity. Mm-hmm. yeah so yeah and i think it's not just language i feel like you do tie in other aspects of culture with the kids right. like mm-hmm. music dance right food Mm-hmm. So, I mean, language is a huge part of it, but it's not all of it. So they, they are aware of certain things, especially, you know, right. those tamales. Like. Yeah, especially, you know, grandma, grandma <laughs> speaks to them grandma speaks to in, it, in yeah. Spanish, but, and then they understand what she's saying. Mm-hmm. You know, so even though they don't speak it, they understand exactly what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And also, Stefan loves tortillas. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, right, cheese. right, Stefan, you like tortillas? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer pupusas because the cheese in the middle just makes it good. I like both. <laughs> you like both? <laughs> yes. I know. The, 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 the pupusas are really good. You're always asking, Nana, can you make tortillas, please? Yeah. You know what? Like, they grew up uh, with that part of the culture. But you know what's so funny, though? Like, when you mention it, like, when Chico was around, he, he only cooked for him. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he only spoke to him, in uh, the youngest, in Spanish, and he replied mm-hmm. in Spanish. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, like, I missed that. I, I missed that, that we weren't able to do that. Starting you know? tomorrow, Spanish. Starting tomorrow. <laughs> the next podcast is going to be en español. <laughs> Estamos vivo aquí. <laughs> Ahora en la mesa de cuatro. <laughs> But I just want to take a, a a step back in 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 talking about what else do you think makes um, another part of culture so important? And I know uh, Jen just made a great point that culture is not just uh, one aspect of language, but there's so many other parts to that. But Teresa, what do you think? Like that's another po- important aspect of culture that maybe we haven't touched upon, or maybe we haven't really emphasized. And 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 that and that could be for both Puerto Rico, El Salvador, for anything, anything mm-hmm. that you think that it could apply in, 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 at any point. I think it's how the spirit of the people. I think it's mm. the the energy of the people. Um, how welcoming, you know, Latinos or any any culture can be. You know that really encompasses everything because if one is a stranger and goes to Puerto Rico you know you know that the people and the island are going to welcome them no matter where they're from and it's the hospitality right that really um presses it it's the warmth of the people that's what i think is um good with culture i think i find myself every time i go into um you know into any home I've always been greeted with kisses on the cheeks. And yes. that might not be something everybody's okay with. You know, like right. we're, we're yes. I, I mean, me, I'm a touchy feely person, but then I, sometimes yeah. I got to find myself, like, oh, you know, maybe this person's not yeah. that comfortable, you know? Right. But I think that's just, like you said, the, the, the welcoming, the hospitality, and just the, the, the form of c- connection. And I think that's just encompasses in all Latino communities. And I think that's just a wonderful, it's just one, again, one part of the aspect of culture in itself. 
Um, I don't know if you guys have any other questions for Teresa because Teresa, she's going to school you. She's going to let you know. You can ask Teresa any questions. I do have a question actually for <laughs> Teresa. Uh, Teresa, were, were you born here in, in the U.S.? Yeah, I was born in Brooklyn. And have you traveled to Puerto Rico often? I have. So I would love to hear your like experience between the culture here um, and then the culture in Puerto Rico on like what's different and w how do they keep like certain things the same? Mm -hmm. um, definitely the food is the same pretty much. It better be. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the food is the same. I mean, the spirit, the island just comes with a certain spirit of mm -hmm. generosity. You know, when I when I land right. in the airport, I know that I'm going to be taken care of and and welcomed. And yep, with it's, open arms, it's yeah. from everybody. Yes, it's from everybody. Now here, um, you know, the Puerto Ricans here, we're in New York. We're constantly running, <laughs> we're running, running. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're ruthless. I know. We're yeah, so, we, we carry a bad name. You know. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I love my Boricua. So when, yeah, so when I go back, when I go back to Puerto Rico, you know, it's a certain vibe. It's like you can inhale and exhale it's and listen. island life, you, Teresa. Oh. Yes, yes. You get the baclaitos when oh. they're ready. Well, you know, when you, when you go down to, you know, piñones oh, and, you know, girl, get all of that you stuff. You speak it to me in my stomach right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like people are so warm and I know like as Latinos, we greet each other with hugs and kisses all the time. Mm -hmm. wow. And that was, that was a little difficult for me because when I would experience other cultures that weren't as warm, you know, they would look at me like if I had eight heads and I'm like, but I don't know what to do. That's right, how right. I greet my elders. I, I feel like I've right. been in that position too. So have I. And I didn't. So what are you doing? Like, uh, like back, back up. up. You know, yeah. they give you a face. Yeah. And I know that it's like cultural shock. Uh, absolutely. And I know with the older generations, always a form of respect. That every time, like when I would have a conversation, is that bendición, abuelo, bendiciones. Yep. So we're always saying blessings, blessings, you know, right. and things like that. So I thought that that was the level of respect that was always there. And I and I totally agree with you. Like it's always about welcoming and and being right. so uh, trying to connect with everybody and okay. just being open, just in mm -hmm. that sense of being warm and just having the most delicious food coming in and out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So when it, I'm sorry, when it comes to us now, El Salvadorians, we have that double stigma now, because now when they, when they think of El Salvador, they think of the gang, the gang, you know, the MS13, all the stuff. And then you also have the other statement, the good side. We're hardworking people. We get, you know, we're very mm -hmm. nice. We're awesome to hang around with. So we have that double standard for us. You know, it's not just us, but like Central American people in general. Yes, Adrian. Um, I was gonna ask Teresa a question. Okay, you can oh. ask Teresa. Go ahead. So, what was your favorite part in being in Puerto Rico? My favorite part of going to like Puerto Rico. Yes. Hmm. Oh gosh, there's, it's a, it's a couple of things. I mean, we can always say, oh, it was the beach or going to El Junque, which is like the rainforest and visiting those places that um, are amazing. The food was amazing. Um, I really enjoyed my time at El Morro. 
mm-hmm. because which is uh, the fortresses that I would go and visit because there's a different energy there. Yeah. Um, I, I am personally sensitive to different energies and I could feel, you know, the ancestors that built the fort there, putting everything rock by rock and uh, piece by piece. And it was, it was amazing. You know, hitting like the really top portion of the fortress and looking out and seeing the water and imagining being the indigenous there, watching these boats coming so in from ago. like the horizon. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a real, yeah. it was a real spiritual thing for me. And, you know, it was, it was amazing. It was also a little sad for me, but visiting El Morro, visiting the galleries, um, they have a gallery that is in San Juan and it's just specifically for African heritage in Puerto Rico. Wow. And you know, we hear about slavery and, Oh yeah, they put them in the auction block. But when you go there and you see the papers on the Africans that were there, that were on display, it's it's different. Oh yeah. And you see the stats and you see, you know, the, the drawings and, um, the descriptions of the people, it hits me at a different level. And I so think, I was very much, yeah, yeah I was very much about the history. Oh, definitely. And I think that I don't think, I don't think you remember because you were about two years old when you went to go see in Moro right. and we mm. did, um, we had kites and we the, had the kite thing is so cool. Oh man, we yeah. did kites, but they were so little, like they, they don't remember. And you know, we've been trying to go back uh to it go might be- have to be next year sure. i know in el salvador in el salvador so that's something definitely i would love to to try to do that's my favorite place yeah. old san juan just like the Rico. colors oh, the food the people people so friendly so yeah. nice a whole different world it's mm-hmm. like a whole different world when you go over there i have another question go ahead adrian um how long did it take to build oh gosh at least, yeah, it took at least three to five years because they didn't build just one. They built like three. So, and they were working day in and day out. I mean, when it comes to structures of that, of that size, I, I, I'm, I'm going to assume it's in the hundreds of years only because it's just like there's so many different um, parts to that. Right. And it's... It's a beautiful structure, and, and to to think of it in that sense, I mean, it, yeah, it'd be hard to say it, it, it'd be done in three and five years. Like you're you're eleven years old, you still got a lot to you know to work out. So think about the buildings in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, they were building it very quickly because um, they were protecting it from the others. Now that Spain knew that gold was there. You know, they were protecting it from Portugal and all these other outside entities. Mm. So they were kind of in a rush. Mm-hmm. 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 But let's see. There was also uh, prison cells in, in the, the forts. You can actually see them. When yeah. You know. Pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're on the water. Because mm-hmm. you remember walking oh, around. I'm trying to remember the... if I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you walk around around the whole fortress around yeah. by the water. You see the windows, the cell, the bars. Yeah, and they have like this. It's crazy that it's a prison cell, but you have this beautiful view of the water there, which is insane. 
I know that's what um, when Teresa said that when she was there, she said that it was just a, a, a beautiful reminder of what people saw so many years ago. Mm-hmm. So Teresa, I want to really thank you for coming and participating in our podcast today. Um, I mean, your input as always, super awesome. Um, I know that your connections to um, the Tahino culture and through the uh, multicultural um, the Indo-Rican Multicultural Dance Project, its uh, I know it's your baby project. And I thought that with your input and your insight was just the perfect um, uh, step and for us learning about all different types of uh, culture, Latino, Tahino, and El Salvador. And we were able just to have that connection with you. I, I really appreciate that, taking the time and, you know, talking with us and just chilling with us guys today. No, thank you. It was a lot of fun. It was an honor to be here. And I'm so glad that we can reconnect, you know, during this podcast and Zoom nowadays. So, yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. I want to thank Jen and Roe. Oh, no problem. You know, yeah. we know we're always here to contribute in any way. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. But, um, Teresa, again, I really, really thank you for participating with us on this podcast today. You were awesome, so informative. Um, I mean, our friendship goes beyond this. I mean, I've, I've been so lucky to have you um, as not only a an influence, but as um, what's, the, what's what's the what's the great term I want to say? I mean, friendship. Friendship. <laughs> My man comes in in the clutch. The one liners. The one liners. Uh, and such an inspiration uh, for, for me. And I, I really want to thank you again for just participating with us, okay? Well, listen, you can call me for anything you want. You know, I'll, I'll let you know what's going on with me and the company and all of that stuff until this, you know, little quarantine is over. That's the hope. That is the hope. That's the hope. But You're right. um, That is the hope. But if you can just give um, your information about how they can find you. Uh, any inquiries can come to Indorican at live.com. That's I-N-D-O-R-I-C-A-N at live.com. Or you can visit my website at www.indoricandance.com. Perfect. All right, guys. Let's all say bye to Teresa. Bye. Bye. Bye, Teresa. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank Bye-bye. you so much. Bye, guys. I'll see you soon. Bye. 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 You're welcome. Bye. Have fun. We will see you in the Bye. next episode.